welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is thomas castelli from real estate cpa welcome thomas hey thanks for having me rama a little bit about thomas thomas castelli cpa is a tax strategist and real estate investor who helps other real estate investors keep more of their hand and hard earned dollars in their pockets and out of the government's is real life real estate investing experience combined with his ever growing arsenal of hard hitting tax strategies allows him to see eye to eye with clients in ways most cpas never could with that thomas would you like to add anything to your background no no i think that that does a good job there okay great so how did you get started into real estate and multi family thomas Yes, yeah, so the story goes back um 5 or 6 years ago now. My great uncle, he had passed away and he had a nice piece of land uh with a house on it, very small house, and it was near near an area here on Long Island, right near a train station, like a 2-minute walk from a train station that took you right into Penn Station, which is in Manhattan, and uh I knew that it was a, a great property, and I knew that there could be a lot of potential for that property. So I went to like a meeting. I went to a meeting, a Long Island Real Estate Investment Association meeting. and uh, i was looking for someone to help me to kind of like wholesale or develop that property because i i just knew it was like prime real estate and what ended up happening was i could never quite get my hands on the property because it was in the there's just a lot of problems with the estate and probate and all of that and long story short i was never able to get my hands on it but at that meeting that i went to i lear- i met a group that did multifamily syndications and they were putting on a 3-day seminar uh to discuss the syndication process from a to z so i decided to take a shot and uh go to that meeting uh that 3-day seminar so I went to that 3-day seminar learned syndication from A to Z fell in love with the idea fell in love with the model began attending their monthly meetings and eventually linked up with someone who became my mentor later on down the line and I started making some investments in multifamily properties as a limited partner so I was uh making equity investments and those uh, equity investments eventually led to me uh learning the process and then entering a syndication of my own with some partners where we syndicated created a 82 unit apartment complex uh, down in Jacksonville uh, that we actually just exited uh, May 2020 so just you know about 3 months ago uh, now and one thing i will say the last thing i'll say there on how i got involved was that property that my uncle did have someone did end up getting buying it and put three houses up on it and uh did very well for themselves so that's how i knew how to identify uh what good real estate was and that's how i got started congratulations for completing full cycle thank you so and what kind of challenges you faced during early stages of your multi family journey and how did you overcome them so it kind of started in the beginning was you know getting involved and being able to invest in the first place so you know starting out i was like 23 24 years old i didn't have all that much money to my name at that time so you know just finding investments that i could get involved in was was challenging enough but i was able to actually through the group through the peer group that i was in or you know through the real estate investment group rather that i was in i was able to develop relationships with some folks and enter into some 506b investments that's a syndication type uh, or the the securities law that allows non accredited investors in so finding that initially was a challenge but then once you, once i found the people who had those offerings it was easy the next challenge i faced after finding those people and making those investments was deciding you know which investments are 
are actually good investments to make versus which ones you shouldn't make at all. And uh, the one thing I learned was uh, operational. You know, anybody can sell you an investment. Anybody can market themselves and, and, and make an investment deal look great on paper for the most part. The real key is, you know, operational excellence. Can you operate like once someone takes, once a syndicator, once a group buys a property, can they actually fulfill the uh, business plan they set out to to do from the beginning? And that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coordination, takes some skill, takes some experience. And what ended up happening was on one of the LP deals I was in, one of the deals I was in as a passive investor, uh, someone robbed, someone, one of the contractors ran off with $50,000 of, of the money that was supposed to be used for renovation. And that crippled the deal. Deal. And then there was just some later on issues in that particular deal exiting the property and that didn't go as it was supposed to go you know, in the business plan. And that was just a learning experience knowing that really at the end of the day, uh, any property can look good on paper, but you really have to look at the sponsorship team. You really have to look at the property management team that's going to be running that deal and say to yourself, hey, look, you know, what are the odds of them getting this through to completion? You know, Is my money safe? And that's just something that I learned. That was a challenge that I had overcome was you know, looking forward to it, looking at deals and identifying which deals to invest in versus which deals to discard. Awesome. So you involved both actively and passively. So what kind of benefits one will get by investing in apartments, both like passively or actively? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, passively, I look at passive investing as like true investing, in, in my opinion. It's yeah, basically you have money you want to put to work and you want to earn a great return. So when you go ahead and invest passively, you're really doing a lot of the work up front to identify, you know, the sponsor and do your due diligence on the sponsor. Does that sponsorship team, you know, the management team, do they have what it takes? Do they have a good track record to, to fulfill and run a deal that you're going to put your money into? And then after that, you're looking at the deal to make sure the deal makes, the actual property makes sense, the market. But once you make that decision, uh, and if you invest you know, the right way, you're going to put your money with that person and just kind of set it and forget it, if you will. You know, you'll get your little quarterly reports, you'll get your maybe your quarterly distributions, but it's really passive after that. And it's really, you know, a solid way to earn a return on your money without having to do all that much work, which is, you know, to me, the, you know, the big point of investing. So it, there you, you earn a return and don't have to do much work. That's the benefit really of doing the passive side. And there's a lot of tax benefits I'm sure we'll talk about too. But the active side is more like a business. You're actually doing a lot more work. You're sourcing the property. You're putting it under contract. You're sourcing the capital, the financing, and then you're running the deal after the fact, whether, you know, directly or through third-party property management. And you'll typically, if you do it the right way, earn higher returns returns because where with passive investing, you're paying the sponsor certain fees, acquisition fees, asset management fees, that will reduce your the return on your investment slightly. I mean, generally, it'll still be good on the passive side, but it's just not going to be as high as if you did it yourself. And uh, if you're syndicating too, like if you're if you're an active syndicator, you're going to make the money off the fees too. So the benefits of being an active investor is you just get higher returns, but you have to do more work. Right. So from tax benefits point of view, do you share uh, the benefits? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you're an LP investor, for example, in most deals, most multifamily deals, the sponsor is going to run what's called the cost, segreg cost segregation study on the property in the first year. And uh, that cost segregation study combined with 100% bonus depreciation is going to generate massive losses in that first year of the property ownership. General, this, gen this is a general rule. But and those losses, if you're a traditional, if, if you're a passive real estate investor, you're not full time in real estate, those losses will be suspended and capitalized 
carried forward to future years to help offset future rental income from either that investment or other investments you might have. And then uh, when that's when that investment sold, those losses are actually unlocked and can help reduce the tax bite from that big capital gain that you usually get at the end. So that's for a limited partner. Uh, for active investors, there could be potentially a lot more benefits. So if you're a real estate professional and you do real estate full time, and that's that's what you do for a living, you can actually turn those losses that are generated by that cost segregation study and uh, the 100% bonus depreciation, those actually become non-passive losses and can offset other business income or W-2 income. So the active side actually you know, has the ability to significantly reduce your overall tax liability, whereas the passive side ensures that you're not going to be paying tax on the income that's generated from your investment. Awesome. So how one qualify for an active investor or real estate professional? So uh, there, are, there are a handful of requirements. So the first requirement is that a real estate professional must work at least 750 hours during the year in a real property trader business in which they materially participate. And it must represent more than 50% of their total working time. So that means that, you know, just to clarify, it means if you're working full time, you have a W-2 job, you're not qualifying as a real estate professional. And I would say 95% of the time, that's not going to happen. If you're working full time in a business, that's not a real estate trader business, you're not going to be able to meet that requirement. That requirement's there to basically, is basically there to make make you work full time in real estate. That's really what that requirement there. But just to recap that, that's 750 hours and more than half your total working time in real estate. So once you meet that requirement, you're considered to be a real estate professional. And you can get there from just a rental business or a multifamily business, or you could be a real estate agent or broker or property manager, developer, uh, fix and flipper. There's a number of ways to get to that requirement or meet that test. Uh, but then once you meet that test, you then have to prove that you uh, materially participate in your rental properties. And the way you do that is you have to spend, there's generally three tests that make sense that are most people are going to try to qualify for. And that's you spend 500 hours during the year on rental activities related to your rental properties. So that's one way to get to that second test. Another way is you do substantially everything. So meaning you pretty much do everything for your rental portfolio. You don't really have that much outside help, um, if any at all. And then the third one is you spend at least 100 hours on your rental portfolio and no uh, no one else spends more time than you. So those are the two requirements, the 750 hours, and then proving that you materially participate in your rental portfolio. Awesome. Thanks for sharing great points. So how passive income tax is different from active income? So passive rental income, if you do have passive rental income, it is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate, zero to 30 percent here. And then if it's active, you're, you're taxed the same way. The real benefits passive versus active is that if you're an active real estate investor, or you're a real estate professional, the losses that your portfolio may generate um, as a real estate professional can offset your other active or ordinary income, such as W-2 income, if your spouse works, for example, or if you have another business um, that you operate, but you're still able to maintain a real estate professional status. And that what um, that's the active side. That's the benefits. Now on the passive side, it's the same thing on the law. The losses are going to help. Well, the losses are going to help shelter your rental income from tax, and it's going to ensure that uh, really, as a passive investor, you're able to increase your income without increasing your taxes. So, as a passive investor, you're not able to reduce your tax liability, generally speaking, from other forms of income. But as a passive investor, the tax benefits allow you to actually 
gain income from your real estate and not pay any tax on it. Great. At what stage, like passive or active investors need to engage a good CPA? Yeah, I mean, that, that's another great question. So I would say, you know, ideally from the beginning. So if as a passive investor, I would say, okay, as a passive investor, you don't need to engage a CPA in the beginning. As a passive investor, you probably need to get, engage a CPA in the year that you know a property is liquidating. That's usually when there's some tax strategies that could be implemented. So I would say for yeah, passive investors, it's not critical to engage a CPA early on. For active investors, if you're going to be doing it uh, yourself from you know doing all that, all, all the entire project, you know, you're going to want to engage a CPA very early on from the beginning to make sure everything's set up correctly from a tax perspective and to make sure that you're taking advantage of everything the tax code has to offer uh, for yourself on the property. Especially if you have investors, you definitely want to engage a CPA in the beginning as an active investor. Great answer. So this is a passive investing question. Should one invest in Ani's personal name or LLC? And what is the reason? Yeah, that's mainly a legal question for asset protection. From a tax perspective, it will make generally no difference if you invest in an LLC versus a versus your personal name. And from a tax, most of the time, from my experience working with a lot of different clients, is most people will just invest in limited partnerships you know, as a passive investor in their personal name. That's typically what we see. Okay, great. So how depreciation works, Thomas? So depreciation is a non-cash expense. So when you first buy a property for residential property like multifamily, it has a 27.5 year class life. So that means that uh, when you buy the property, it's going to, the building is going to have a value, be assigned a value and the land's going to be assigned a value based on the purchase price and a number of other factors. But the building is going to be depreciated over 27 and a half years. So every year you're going to get a little bit of depreciation from the building. And that depreciation expense will lower your net income. And in some cases, bring it below zero. Now, the good thing about depreciation that has occurred uh, thanks to the Tax Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 is they they re-implemented 100% bonus depreciation. And what that allows you to do is run a cost segregation study and really depreciate the five and seven year class life. So that's the tangible property and the land improvements of a property all in the first year that you you own the property. And that increases that depreciation expense, which again is non-cash substantially um, and will vary in the majority of cases put a property at a significant loss, at least on paper, to shelter the income. And then from there, that loss you generally generated by depreciation is what's going to shelter your rental income into the future if you're a passive investor or is going to help you reduce your ordinary income from other sources as a real estate professional. Okay, great. So would you like to share any best practices one should follow tax point of view? Yeah, so best practice from a tax point of view, um, I guess I'll take this from the active side of things. If you're a real estate professional uh, or you're trying to become a real estate professional, really speak to your tax advisors, really make sure you understand what the real estate professional status is because a lot of people out there uh, try to qualify as a real estate professional and don't follow the rules the right way. And that part of the tax code is not something you want to play around with. If you are ever audited, the IRS can you know, force you to basically uh, pay back taxes on the amount of money you saved from taking that depreciation against your ordinary income if you're not truly qua- classifying as a real estate professional. So what I would, you know, best practice there is if you're going to try to qualify as a real estate professional, uh, talk to your CPA, talk to your tax attorney, uh, whoever you're working with to really make sure and understand uh, that you're doing everything the right way there. So that's best practices for active investors. Best practice for passive investors, I would say, is really just uh, speak to a tax advisor, you know, in the year you believe that uh, that passive investment will sell, you know, that that will be finished because there's a lot of tax planning strategies that could be implemented to help you minimize uh, your tax liability as an LP limited partner when that time comes. Okay.
Okay. So would you like to share any of your best apartment investing experience so far? The best apartment investment experience. Yeah. So I would have to say this deal, this 18 apartment complex was uh, the best experience. I mean, we, I came in, I identified the property and I, I was part of the due diligence process. It was a great learning experience uh, to kind of see the process um, from the beginning to the end. And it was actually really eye-opening to realize how much work that the property manager actually does and how much as you as a sponsor or the runner of the deal don't really have to be involved. I mean, there's certainly work that's involved. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as significant as most people would think. And, you know, we ended up selling this deal in May of this year, May of 2020, and it was the best deal I've done to date. So, you know, in terms of returns, so I, that was the best experience I've had so far. And I think that was largely from having excellent property management. Again, property management is going to be key on multifamily properties. And um, also, yeah, so it was uh, great property management. And then it was also benefited from the rising market, you know, before COVID-19. So before 2020, we were on the longest bull run in US history. And a lot of markets, a lot of properties benefited from that that rise. So that that combined with excellent property management and the rising market um, really made that deal an excellent deal. And uh, so far, by far the best experience I've had in multifamily. Okay. And would you like to share any of your worst apartment investing experience? Oh, yeah. So that was definitely by far that one deal that I was in as a limited partner where the where the property manager, well, the property manager wasn't paying, I guess, close enough attention to the contractors or, or, or whatever the case was. And the contractors ran off with $50,000 of, of the money that was supposed to be used for renovations, which just caused a bunch of issues, delays in the renovation uh, process. And then also later on, when we we're trying to liquidate those properties, trying to get those properties on the market, it, that was delayed. It took a lot longer than we anticipated it to happen or, or originally were under the impression under the impression. So that was so far probably the, the worst experience I've had in multifamily. And that really just made me that really the, the key takeaway from there, the key learning lesson I learned there was that you have to really pay attention to the operations of an investment and who's going to be operating it and how they're going to be operating it and just how important that piece is. Because you know if someone runs off with $50,000 of, of money, that's an operational flaw. Something went wrong there that shouldn't have happened. And you know that's the key piece. You have to look at people. At, that's the that key takeaway bottom line was that you have to look at the operators. You have to make sure they have the experience, they have the systems in place, they have the people in place to really take care of your money when you're going to be investing as a, as a passive investor. Yeah, so true. So what is your current focus and what are you excited about now, Thomas? Yeah, right now, so I, I work full-time as a, as a CPA here at the Real Estate CPA. So that's my full-time focus, but we did just sell this deal in May of 2020. Uh, so now I'm actually going to be looking for another another deal to invest in, hopefully as a passive investor this time around where I can take the losses, right? Here's a good strategy. You can take the losses from... So basically what's going to happen if I invest as a passive investor, uh, the syndicator or the sponsor is going to run a cost segregation study, like I mentioned before, on the property that's going to generate a passive loss for me. And I'm going to be able to take that passive loss and use it to offset the gain from the sale of this property that we had in May. So that's what I'm excited about now to go ahead and make that investment uh, as a passive investor. Okay, great. So one advice that impacted you positively? One experience. I would say that the most positive experience that I've had was actually going to that three-day seminar back, I think it was in 2014 now. It was that multifamily three-day seminar that really shaped my outlook on real estate. And I would say that changed my life. That one three-day seminar really solidified my interest in real estate, really solidified my path going forward. And uh, that just very
very positive benefits led me to being able to have a career working with real estate investors as a CPA, led me to understanding real estate investing a lot more than I ever could and will probably make me a lot of money uh, in the future as I continue to invest in real estate. Cool. So any of your personal habits that helped you to be successful? Yeah, that's a great question. So personal habits, I'm a very routine oriented person. Uh, so I have, uh, so basically my best habits are wake up early in the morning. You know, we're recording this. It's uh, 726 in the morning here on the East Coast. I'm up usually at 6 a.m., um, get started on the day, sit down, sit down at my desk, organize the day and really just attack it and just get everything and just start. You have your to-do list and just execute your to-do list and your priorities early on in the morning. I'd say that's one of the, one of the best habits I've had, just being a morning person and being able to just get things done in the morning. Just that in and of itself is, is a good habit, I think. Also, I'm a, a big reader. I generally read for about an hour a day and I can't say enough about reading. I mean, if you, if you pick up the right books, you could you know, tremendously expand your outlook on certain things and your knowledge, your understanding. And if you read enough books from enough different areas, you start to see the world differently. So I'd say that's definitely an, another great habit I've had. And it's just, you know, waking up every day and just being ready to attack the day. So I would say those are the habits that I've, that I've had. Awesome. And one book that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, yeah. I would say the Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Rich Dad, Poor Dad cash flow quadrant. I know it might be a little bit of a cliche here um, in the real estate community, but you know, those two books really opened my eyes early on to saying, hey, look, you know, uh, working, just working a W-2 job, you know, is, is probably not going to get you rich it by itself. You need to have, you need to be investing your money. You need to be saving, you need to be saving your money and you need to be investing your money to earn a return over time. So I'd say those two books, I definitely had a huge major impact on my life. Great. So how are you giving back to community, Thomas? Yeah, right now, I'm <laughs> sadly not doing too much to give back to the community. I probably should be doing more. I tend to, you know, do, uh, I tend to donate money towards the end of the year to various like Christmas charities and what have you. But uh, yeah, you know, to, I could be doing a lot more. I should probably be doing a lot more of that end to embarrass the sad. I really don't have a good answer to that question. Okay, that's fine. So how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Thomas Castelli, I'll be there. You'll see. You'll, you'll see me. Uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook as well. You can also Thomas Castelli, or you could uh, check out the Real Estate CPA podcast. We have uh, we have a podcast. It's you know pretty much everywhere: Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever. That we talk about tax tips for real estate investors, both LPs uh, and active investors. So those are the best ways to connect with me. You could also find me on therealestatecpa.com. Um, you could also fill out a web form there where we can get in contact with you. So those are the best ways to contact me. Okay. Thank you, Thomas. I really enjoyed the conversation. No problem. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.